Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I'm Tony. We are still very, very much knee-deep in tech. This is episode 93, recorded at Microsoft Ignite in Orlando. And Simon, you went and found another guest. Yeah, I did. Matthias, welcome. Who hey are you guys. and what do you do? Um, I'm Matthias Haas, CTO at IGEL. Um I actually uh, started to work at IGEL for like, oh, that's a long time ago, 13 <laughs> years, I guess. Oh. Yeah, yep. so I already have an inventory number on my somewhere <laughs> on my back or something. Yep. Um, actually, uh, initially I started as a software developer at, at yep. IGEL um, and did all of the, the nice coding on Linux, working on all of those th things that were relevant in 2006, green screen, um, Citrix, RDP. Yep. Actually, I did a lot of work on, on, on the kernel. Yep. Then all of a sudden I said, okay, there must be something else out there in the world, <laughs> just, just coding. I still love coding, I yep. have to say. But uh, yeah, talking to people, planning products, doing things. So I, I did a couple of different roles and accidentally ended up as, as the CTO <laughs> of the company. <laughs> we actually had, uh, I hosted an unconference yesterday on finding your hidden superpowers right. for your IT career. And uh, we had a discussion on exactly that, falling into somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I did the um, analogy with um, Ingvar Stenmark, the famous skier from Sweden mm -hmm. 30 years ago, that he said that, yeah, it's, it's funny. People say that I'm lucky, but I'm getting more and more lucky the more I practice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you did something right to end up as a CD. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so for the uh, listeners that don't know, what what's IGEL? What do you do? Yeah, right. So. IGEL is a company that was founded in 2001, um, and actually we are a Think Client company, or used to be a Think Client company, yep. and I always tell the funny story, so IGEL is actually an acronym. Yep. So IGEL in German, it's Eagle, yep. and it's a hedgehog, and IGEL means Integrierte Gesamtlösung der Mikroelektronik. Oh. So just for you guys. So nice. that is the funny acronym there. Yep. Everybody that should use Google Translate yeah. to figure out what that means in English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and we you thought Swedish was hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had a, a, a Finnish guest on yesterday. So we All had right. a Finnish lesson last uh, or in Tuesday. And uh -huh. now we get yeah. to learn German as well. German lesson as well, yeah. yeah. So and yeah, we we we, we built um, a thin client devices, hardware devices with um, uh, our IGEL software on it. So we always were a, a kind of like a Linux company, um, seeing the benefits of Linux, being small, flexible, you can adjust it a lot. And over the time, we figured out, okay, so it's nice to have hardware boxes that can actually run like the, the environments that were available at the time with, with Citrix MetaFrame, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and somehow we thought, okay, it might be a good idea to also able to manage those devices. So we, we also started off building a, a management tool yeah. around that. And there we are. We have a management piece. We have a Linux operating system that can run on, on thin client devices. And we, uh, we, we had the hardware products. In 2009, roundabout, a customer came to us and said, so I like your hardware, but uh, you, you know, guys, um, I already have boxes here around. So what about the idea that you just sell me the software stack? And we said, oh, wow, uh, interesting. So actually 10 years ago, 2019 we are yep. today, we, we started with the idea to have a software stack thin client offering. Yep. And just a couple of years ago, we were addressing um, or pressing more and more on the, the software stack solution and figured out that a lot of customers are out there that actually do have a lot of great hardware. You know, any device that is like five years old, it's way good enough to, 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 to be used as a endpoint for virtualized environments. Yep. And doing that, um, uh, we, we increased the, 
uh, investment in, into that software stack. And actually today, the core IP, what IG really is, it, it's not the, the hardware box that we're selling, it's the software. Yeah. And with software, I mean the operating system with the deep integration in, into the management suite. And combining this, you, you get a platform where we have the ability to onboard technology partners. And talking about technology partners like Microsoft, yeah. VMware, Citrix, all of the guys that are relevant that provide a, a solution out there in the market, plus a lot of technology partners that take away the pain points of um, customer needs, right? So like in healthcare, you have a lot of requirements for smart cards, you yeah. want to have digital dictation. Integrating this and adding the management glue to it, qualifying the components to work with each other and providing a stable platform, a stable um, a firmware that customers can use to address their needs. That's in the end what Agile is. Yeah, and and you talk a lot about Linux. Mm -hmm. So why are you at Microsoft Ignite? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. A, I have to say, Microsoft. There was the, that that um, uh, picture that Microsoft loves Linux, yeah. which is a great thing. And actually, we we are working together with uh, Microsoft and Scott Manchester's team uh, to provide support for WVD. Yeah. On uh, on IGLOS, so uh, we had the announcement this week where uh, uh, IGLOS was introduced as the first Linux platform to support access in, into the WVD architecture. What yeah. is WVD? Windows Virtual Desktop, so a um, cloud-delivered desktop solution provided by Microsoft. And and why did IGL see that the investment in WVD was worth doing? Wha what does WVD means and what it's worth to Agile. Mm -hmm. So, we, the way how we see the world is changing right now, and a lot of things are, are moving or changing through the uh, adoption of the cloud. Um, people want to consume services instead of running their own architectures. Uh, we see that um, the way how um, virtualized environments are going to be consumed in the future is moving towards a more service-orientated. So we see more and more customers that either do a hybrid approach, so run on-prem and cloud-deployed architectures, but also that we see customers that say, okay, I want to get rid of my, 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 my data center, I want to get rid of all of the infrastructure that I have to, to run, let's put everything in, in the cloud. Together with Microsoft, we see that it's not only delivering a desktop architecture, it also has a full ecosystem in terms of Azure as an infrastructure, yeah. applications, and now that Microsoft is going to deliver desktops and applications through, through, the, through the Azure cloud, is I think enabling a lot of um, um, uh, benefits by putting the, the desktop and the data center at one location yeah. close to each other. I think you get the best user experience in having all of this data, your OneDrive, probably uh, your, your applications as close uh, to, to your desktop as possible. And that's why we s think this consumption model, consuming desktops and applications from the cloud, Win32 applications, is, is going to, to, to Im uh, increase in the market in the future and provides a lot of potential. Plus, you need to have a simple access, simple onboarding process into those virtual desktops. Yep. And I think that's the benefit that we can add to that equation providing a just enough OS approach to, to access this, these uh, cloud-delivered desktops. Yep. And you said that you had a, a background in software development, and we, we are here at Microsoft Ignite, and there are both IT pros and developers here. And 
you started off by saying that Microsoft have, for a couple of years now, said that Microsoft loves Linux. But in terms of developing the, the solutions you are developing for WVD, have, what's been the challenges from getting things to run on Linux that are very much Windows and Microsoft focused uh, on the other end? Has there been any challenges and how have you overcome those? Actually, I, I, I think you would expect that I say, oh, it was horrible difficult. <laughs> but I have to say this, this was a really easy way to move forward, right? Cool. Working together with Microsoft in that space, it was like engaging, everybody was co committed. We sent teams over from, from Germany to Redmond to work together with yep. these guys. And actually, it was, it was a, a very easy and, and uh, good way to, to work together. Both sides were contributing. We had so the Linux expertise, also integrating that in the desktop. Yep. And with the Microsoft guys, it was just like great to, to have that, that protocol implementation, the validation processes going on. So all in all, I have to say it was a, a very, very smooth, straightforward process. Everybody committed and we delivered on time. Yeah, and, and so basically that means that Microsoft loves, loves Linux. It isn't all about marketing, it's actually true. It's actually true. Yep. It's actually true, and I'm I'm a huge fan of, of, of this um, partnership, and it, it really drives things forward, and it's continuing to be driving ideas, getting the expertise in there from both sides, and really making the best out of it. Yeah, and I think we will just go back a couple of steps, because uh, when you accepted the invite here, um, Tony and Alexander said that your experience with thin clients is basically 20 years old. It is. <laughs> Pretty much, I mean, yeah. yeah I, I, I actually used the old the Sunrays mm -hmm. back when I was working for the university in, in my city. Right. And that was 19, or, or the early 2000s, I think. And previously, I had also used the old MetaFrame mm -hmm. stuff. So it, it, I kind of get the feeling that time is, is cyclical. Everything comes back. We started with the mainframes. Right and there was no compute power on the desktop. Then came the desktop computers, the mainframe went away. And now we're kind of back to the mainframe thinking. So where have, where have things progressed? What's, what's different? Why are we back here? Why can't we do anything new? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, actually. <laughs> you know, you can always do things better, right? So that's, I, I believe in that. And I think, the way how people want to consume technology and how people are um, are looking at things is that you don't want to fiddle around with all of the you know configuration planning um, uh, structuring uh, building all of all of, of all of your architecture. People tend now to in our days to to go back and say okay. I want to have a proven, like, validated architecture, right? And what enables you to have this proven, validated architecture? It's in the cloud, right? Because you have the experts there. You have a lot of people spending a lot of thoughts on how can I make this scalable? How can I make this safe? How can I make this secure? Um, that's the one driver there, right? So things are moving in the cloud. The other driver is that, that people want to consume their, their data and information anywhere, right? And how do you do that? You have to have a central place, a central location where you're storing your data, where you're also trusting that that data is safe, right? Again, that's the cloud. Plus, um, you know, modern, I don't want to call them millennials, but modern workforce or young workforce, 
they are used to consume data on a mobile, on an iPad device, probably not inputting data because that's still like a little bit cumbersome with, with an iPad. If everybody screams to his iPad, yeah. oh, open Excel, <laughs> right? Um, so um, building this kind of like integrated infrastructure is just a natural step to say, okay, I'm taking away the applications from the endpoint. I put them in a central location in the cloud because that's also the way how you consume your, your mobile apps. And I, I want to access the, um, the application in, 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 the, in the best way I can do. So if I want to input data, I'm probably using a desktop. If I just want to uh, review data or display data, I use my mobile and iPad. So it's just, a, I think, a natural evolution. And enabling this that, let's say, the endpoint device does not need to have a full-blown fat client architecture it's just a natural fit that you have this boring thing client technology adopted to the modern world, centrally managed. You have um, the, the device can be managed from anywhere, so with IT technology, with ICG architecture. As long as the device has a network connection, I can make sure that, that it, it receives the, the, the current policy. And this also adds in the small form factor, the small footprint OS, the, I, I call it the just enough OS thing. It's just purpose-built to access data and application in the cloud. So you don't want to run this um, uh, full-blown operating system anymore. The full, the full stacks operating system sits in the cloud, and that's where it's really good, because there you have a lot of horsepower, you have a lot of functionality, but contained in, in a safe way. And that's why I think the Think Client concept is kind of like modernized again. And I wouldn't call it a Think Client today. It's a, we call it the next-gen Edge OS, because it's, it's at the edge for cloud-delivered workspaces. And that's really the key thing, right? You, this is the operating system of choice to access any cloud architecture you have to access, to also be the bridge between on-prem and cloud-delivered applications. Because we, we are open to, to connect to a, a local data center, to cloud-delivered application, as long as, er as it runs somewhere in the data center. Mm -hmm. I actually imagine also, uh, like Alex was uh, <coughs> stating here, that maybe the thin client concept was a little bit before its time mm. around the th 2000s. So um, the infrastructure wasn't necessarily powerful enough to actually deliver an ac acceptable experience for the end user. So uh, that's probably the reason why you like did this life cycle thing mm. when they went away and now they're coming back again. Since the, the, the actual infrastructure hardware needed to actually support these kinds of end devices is so much more powerful today than it was back then. So now you can actually deliver a rich experience, even mm -hmm. accelerated experience, yeah. uh, in a whole different way that you could compare to the 2000s, for example. But still, the what always inevitably happened when someone came up with the idea, let's, let's put this application on Citrix, you would hear this moan all through the office because everybody knew that this is mean it's, it's going to be slow as molasses. Mm -hmm. It is going to be hopelessly slow and nobody wanted to do it. But that's my point, kind of, because yeah. the ICA protocol itself was pr pretty much the most efficient way of doing that back then. Mm -hmm. But my imagination is that in, in the world of today, it's probably like a hundred times more efficient than it was back then. And, and I think that and that's RDP as well. Yeah, and that's that's my my next question. What what's can you talk about a bit a bit about the secret sauce, so to speak? What makes what makes it possible to do 
these things, even in, in graphically, et cetera, stuff in a thin client today that we just could not do five or 10 years ago? Yeah, th th that's a very good question, I think. If you, if you have a closer look on, you were talking about history repeating, right? Mm -hmm. I would say the, the general parameters are repeating, but it's a different mix. Mm. What do I mean with that? If you think about the mainframes, all of the compute power was sitting in one central location, right? And you had this dump terminal, right? That was just yeah. able to barely take... Glorified screen, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Then there was a tr uh, another trend where I said, okay, we don't want to have a mainframe technology. We want to have uh, a lot of compute on, on the edge, on, on, on your desk, so to say, right? There you had the problem that you have a lot of horsepower and you can display great data, great details but the data was distributed and it was the, it was hard to manage it was also it got e even more difficult to update to patch at that time you know in, in the 90s probably it wasn't that that of an issue but today we see that keeping your infrastructure yep. up to date with a fat client architecture is a challenge right and what happened over the last couple of years is that the idea of a centralized location so a mainframe data center driven approach um, uh, got more and more important, now even accelerated through the cloud offering, but also you had a lot of horsepower on, on the endpoint devices. So what actually happened and what made it possible to have this good user experience, great user experience, is that you have an, an orchestration layer somewhere in between in those protocols that say, okay, this is good to be computed in the data center, and that I want to be decoded, computed on, on the edge device. And that's what I said before, um, all of the devices that we have out there today or that are even five years old have way enough horsepower to do all of the things that we want them to be. Basically, if you think about what, what we are doing today is we are, we are just display, we are, we, we are kind of like a remote display architecture, right? And that remote display is uh, just needs to have an encode and decode capability on in the graphics chip, H.264, for instance. Yeah. Every, this, is, this is really consumerized. Yeah. Even every mobile phone is able to, to hardware decode and encode H.264. And this really enabled to increase the user experience. Now that's also what the secret source of IGEL OS is. We have abstracted this acceleration, so we, we can use acceleration pretty much on any x86 device. And with that, we can always provide the best user experience in the field with pretty much any protocol that, that's out there. And I think that's, uh, I was uh, invited to your conference in Munich this spring, uh, Idle Disrupt. And I know that one of the things that really surprised me in a very positive way was that your colleagues showed VR being delivered over, in that case, Citrix to an Idle endpoint. Correct. And it worked brilliantly. Yeah. So to be, to be able to both send and receive that amount of data, that amount of frames, yeah. to a thin client was just staggering. How that synced, is right? So, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm super curious. Where is the heavy lifting when it comes to math being done? Is that being done in the cloud, on the edge device, or both when it comes to VR? It's it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. So the heavy lifting definitely is, is has to be done in in the cloud, right? So you have like uh, a capable graphics card that does all of the the rendering, all of the and besides the rendering, also the encoding piece, right? Because you have to get this through, through a wire, and it could be a pretty thin wire too today. So I live in Germany, I know what a bad network <laughs> is, right? <laughs> um, but it's also important that the endpoint device is able to, to, to take this data and decode it in a fast and, and yeah, uh, uh, 
uh, yeah, flawless manner, right? That means no flickering, and especially yeah. if you have VR. How, how often do you get seasick if you have like a bad VR yeah. implementation? Oh, yeah. And that's that that's really showcased the capability. And this is really the the, the important thing is. You have to kind of like squeeze any, every single performance tweak out of an endpoint device. And ideally, you do this in an automated way. So the US recognizes, hey, these are my uh, acceleration capabilities, and this is what I can leverage. So really s squeezing performance out of endpoint devices is key. And that's the perfect uh, example. So a lot of um, performance, uh, performance required on the endpoint device, but also a lot of performance required in, in the data center. So how close are you to hitting the, the glass wall, so to speak, when it comes to light speed? Because light speed, not even, not even IGIL can change light speed. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> not for lack of trying though. But I mean, there, there is going to be a pretty significant distance between your edge device and the cloud. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you cope with this, this fact that you have a round trip Right. So there's basically the, there, there are different tricks, and every protocol implements it differently, right? Or th but they are also kind of like using the same principle, pretty much, right? So everybody's using water to cook, right? That's yeah. what I just want to say with that. There is there you can push the borders, right? And every protocol has a different like um, uh, capability built in there. But you know, um, as you might have probably seen the the keynote that we did together with Scott, we've been on on the same Wi-Fi network as 2,400 other people. Yeah. So I was kind of like shocked when <laughs> I heard this <laughs> after the show. That, oh yeah, we, we just were using the, the open Wi-Fi to connect to WD. Oh, by the way. Th th oh, by the way. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. That says a lot right. so about how well it worked because <laughs> I've had a hard time tweeting right. <laughs> during so this week. And that's what you see really. So the protocols are really pretty robust and, and they can cope with a lot of latency and, 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 and slow networks because they, they got pretty smart, right? And I think we will also see in the next couple of years with the, the help of AI that um, kind of like um, figuring out what the desktop does is, is important. And you can even reduce uh, the, the, the bandwidth being used and, and the latency that is ac acceptable. And you also have to prioritize things, right? So w what, do you, what do you degrade first? Do you degrade audio first yeah. or video? Mm -hmm. Probably you audio. No, audio yeah. is that what, what's, what's skipping in your ears. A little, a little degraded um, video, so you have less frames probably, that's better accepted from oh the end yeah. user than, than, a, than a skipping audio, right? And that yeah. those are the things that you have to work on. So what, wh how can I push the limits? How can I cope with low bandwidth and high latency? And now, now, like when you said that, my head started to spin because mm. what I just got thinking about is if you use AI, you should be able to actually see the future. What will the user do at the endpoint? Probably in the coming second, yeah, so it's to say. A what, what's exactly, what's the mm. most likely thing it will do? And accelerate that part of the screen or accelerate that part of the stream. And that really puts it to the next level where the algorithm will be able to, like you said, decode, encode the correct part of that stream and perhaps even leave the rest of the screen that's projected mm -hmm. in some way or another. And then we get to a whole new level of performance. Right. And we, we were just discussing, just prior to starting the recording, the um, AI ship in the new Surface Pro X and what it can do with basically uh, leveling your eyes and right. such. 
And that capability should be a really cool thing to get in an endpoint like that as well to accelerate the entire user experience. Right. And I think that, that there is there is room in there. And if you think about so where where is AI, AI located? It's in the cloud. Yep. And if you have a cloud-delivered desktop, probably they will benefit from that. Yep. So I don't know, but that's just an idea. But I think we will continuously see improvements over the next couple of years uh, where, where those protocols can, can cope way better with uh, high latency networks and things like that. So I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out when I can work on an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually saw um, another MVP that tweeted that yeah. from, uh, from his flight from Finland to the Netherlands right. that he was using WVD on that flight. Yeah, and Pro yeah I think great. It, it, it should work great. So yeah. probably because I'm, I'm leaving from Germany, I, yep. I take the bad network connection <laughs> with me on the airplane. I don't know. <laughs> so just joking, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> this also raises the next question. What, what mm -hmm. do you see as the next challenge for edge devices and, and this, this kind of stuff? I think, I think those... The challenge is going to be how can I simplify onboarding devices or onboarding, not devices, that's the wrong thing, onboarding users, right? Yeah. To, to those uh, cloud scenarios, right? So nobody wants to fiddle around with a URL to be typed in. Nobody wants to, to kind of like uh, install a, a software. You know, we, we see that people people want to consume technology, but they don't want to, to, to play around with technology. I, I can remember when, when I was like at the university, we were talking about this. It was great to kind of like fill around with scripts and, and yeah. do uh, all of this configuration piece and figure, oh, that now it's working, right? People don't want to do that. People want to use technology. People want to just consume uh, technology. Making this next step to onboard any device, any, any user as easy as possible to access um, cloud-delivered desktops and make this ideally um, the identity that you are already using, yeah. right? In Office 365, you already have a, or in Azure, you have an identity. Yeah. Why not use that, right? And just type in uh, username, password, as a uh, email address and password, and it, it just kicks you to, to your desktop. No configuration needed. This is, by the way, the thing that we are already doing today, this configuration automation, also in, in the traditional deployment. Yep. You plug in an IGLOS device, it reconfigures automatically, and it, you, you're onboarded. Yep. Transferring this and making this even more simpler, I think that's the close next step to, to uh, speed up the adoption of, of cloud-delivered desktops. And one last thing before we wrap this up. You had some amazing announcements this week. What other announcements have you heard that you really like from this this conference? I think there were a lot of great announcements around, um, especially what, what, what we were talking about AI. Yeah. What really hit me was the the speed and, and the width of the AI offerings yeah. that, that are out there. Um, I also saw a, a lot of things around um, especially with that with teams yep. and I'm, I'm personally using teams and i think there's there's so much you can do with in, in the collaboration platforms and extending um collaboration above uh, uh independent from any device architectures you can consume your information and data wherever you want to be yep. we're getting really close to the dream that all of the all of the information that you need is available on your palm on your mobile on, on your desktop device and um showing that in information, that data being displayed in the, in the best way with the capabilities of your endpoint, 
that is going to be key. And that's what I see as an in general picture here at Ignite, that this is going to happen. And what's next for Igel? What will you do now with the things you have announced this week? What's right. the next step? Next step is really uh, continuing to work on it yep. um, and make this uh, available to, to the public, right? So we are, we are working towards this together with Microsoft. And I can just encourage everybody that wants to learn what, what's going on with Igel and what, what are the next big steps to, to join us in January at Nashville at yep. Disrupt in, in the U.S., and the European event in Munich at the Infinity Hotel yep. um, in the first week of February. And there will be a lot of great announcements around. We'll have a lot of Microsoft content, Black Belts joining us, yep. doing deep dive sessions. So this is going to be a real, uh, a real EUC event, right? Absolutely. And I think we, we will tie in there and, and showcase um, the ecosystem that we have with all of the technology partners. And I'm pretty sure that there will be some nice additional announcement around Absolutely. that event. And, and I'll be speaking at Munich as well. I'm looking forward to yep. that. So thank you so much for joining us and best of luck with your work moving forward. Thank you. And it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Super. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We recorded it at Microsoft Ignite and Microsoft is giving away Microsoft Surface earbuds to our listeners. To enter, visit https slash slash aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes before December the 15th 2019. Good luck!